Welcome to the Simplify Jesus Podcast. We're your hosts, Matt Gunter and Bill Allen, and together we are breaking barriers through communication. Well, hello and welcome back, everybody, to another adventurous episode of Simplify Jesus, where we are breaking barriers through communication. Thanks for listening to us today. We are in a drama-filled part of the Bible, aren't we? We, That's right. (laughs) We got all kinds of stuff happening here. So last week we were in uh, Genesis 21 through 23, and we're talking about Abram, who had his name changed to Abraham by God, and decided to take matters into his own hands with with Sarai, who had her name changed to Sarah, because uh, they were impatient and wanted to have a son. So Sarah gave up her slave to Abraham uh, to, to give him a son, and that caused all kinds of drama in the relationship, right? And uh, probably in, in, I think, in Abraham and, and Sarah's relationship and Abraham and God's relationship didn't help matters, considering there was a 13-year period where God was completely silent after having been talking with Abraham all this time. Yeah. So finally, after this 13-year period, God comes back and says, okay, I'm going to renew my covenant with you. And this is when he got his name changed to Abraham. And then... He destroyed two entire cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, after only saving the people that were part of Lot's family. That is, that's a lot in just two chapters of Genesis. Now, you know, of course, the creation of the world happened in one chapter, right? But <laughs> yeah, it, it is a lot. You know, that's one of the things that uh, that's so fun about the Bible is you've got parts of it, especially early on, that are just jam packed with stuff. And then, you know, later on you get to some of the, the, the heroes, so to speak of the Bible, and it kind of stretches out their lives and, you know, David and Moses and that kind of stuff. We'll, we'll get to those guys later, but there is a lot that happens really quick here in the book of Genesis. So picking up where you left off. So God comes in, tells Abraham, Hey, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, gets Lot and his family out. Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed. And so at this point, Abraham is 100 years old. Sarah's 90. And it's been 25 years since they left their homeland where they had been. Remember, Abraham was 75 years old when God said, hey, I'm going to make you into a great nation. If only you'll follow me. Just hearing you play back what we talked about last week, he had that 13-year period of silence. And then the first thing God does when he comes back into the scene is name change and hey by the way i'm going to go destroy these two cities i just wanted you to know about that <laughs> thanks god just crazy yeah <laughs> appreciate the heads up and for a hundred year old man that's that would be a lot to handle um i mean heart attack ready but, to happen right yeah no kidding <laughs> no kidding um but finally at this age at 100 years old sarah's 90 they finally have a son and so uh they named their son isaac and it's interesting you know names in the bible often have a deeper meaning than, than, than what we may think on the surface or what we may see on the surface. And so Isaac in Hebrew actually means one who laughs. So if you go back to the story we talked about last week, we talked about how when God sent messengers down to tell Abraham and Sarah after all this time, hey, by the way, you're still going to have a kid. Sarah laughed. She was like, there, there's no way. There's no way this is going to happen. Then she denied it and it was the whole thing. But they named their son Isaac, uh, one who laughs after that, after the fact that they, it literally made Sarah laugh out loud, that the idea of having a kid. And now when she tells the story to other people, what are they going to say? 
Um, what are they going to think when, you know, a 90 year old woman's having a kid, her first kid, uh, everybody's laughing, right? Just, yeah. Everybody's <laughs> laughing or crying or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I never put that I, together before. That is, that is interesting that, that the way that their, their names are, are, well, I mean, obviously names are, are built around their meanings, but you know, my name, Bill probably doesn't mean very much. I wouldn't know what it is. Um, but uh, of course, Matt, you're named after Matthew in the Bible. Um, mm-hmm. But even that, even Matthew's name, I think uh, it mentions somewhere his the meaning of his name. It does. It's so what what I've been told is it means a gift from God. Oh. Um, I don't know if that goes back to like the Greek and Hebrew. I don't know where that where that origin comes from. But yeah, it's often names in the Bible really they actually mean something. They they've got something behind it. Uh, so there are no bills in the Bible, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, and a lot of times today, pick kids' names because they sound cool, or it's a family name, or something like that. But it's different time back then. They uh, names had a lot of meanings behind them. Even Jesus. So in the Greek, Jesus means the one who saves. If it had been in Hebrew, it would have been Joshua, who's a different Bible character altogether. So if the New Testament had been written in Hebrew, maybe we would be worshiping a guy named Joshua instead of Jesus. But interesting names have meanings. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So in Genesis 12, six and seven, Sarah gives her explanation. Uh, Sarah said, God has made me laugh and everyone who hears will laugh with me. She also said, who would have told Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have born a son for him in his old age. And so finally at hundred years old, 90 years old for Sarah, they have their kid. Unfortunately, not all was well. Um, dun, dun, dun. There was, yeah, there's, there's always a, but uh, yes. coming in these stories. So Ishmael's a teenager at this point, but when Isaac was uh, probably a toddler, um, Ishmael was picking on him, mocking him. We don't know what exactly was happening, but whatever it was, Sarah wanted no part of it. Yeah, there was some strife created between Sarah and Hagar back when Ishmael was born. And I think that was mostly out of jealousy on Sarah's part. But now that Sarah had her own kid, uh, it seems like there was some... Uh, some additional strife here um, when Ishmael was picking on his younger brother, which I've got brothers. This is a normal thing. <laughs> not, thir- not 13 years apart, but I bet it's a normal thing still. Sure. But I bet there was also a lot of, uh, you know, that's my husband, but that's not my kid, but that's his kid. But this isn't right. What have I done? I don't like this kid. It's not mine. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I mean, not only jealousy, just she was conflicted, I'm sure, all the way across. Mm-hmm. And well, there was no way out. Yeah, I mean, you think about, I, I was very blessed to um, to grow up with, with both of my parents and, and you know, our home being um, all together. But, but blended families happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so we, and we know, I've seen from the outside looking in, the struggle that blended families often have. So you can imagine in this kind of situation where, you know, both moms are still on the scene with each of their kids. I mean, it's it's going to create problems, right? It's going to create some strife. Well, you know, it's interesting. I have a a sister from my mom and my stepdad. Um, so my, my half-sister. But she's my sister, obviously. Love her to death. She's 13 years younger than me. Hmm. Um, so as she was growing up, I was already a teenager. You know, so we didn't, we didn't have that time to really get close. Um, and then... To top it off, they moved away to another state, and so we were even further apart. But, um, you know, so there's I, – I get that. I get that that distance. Um, 
of of having that half sibling that you just it's hard to to get close now don't get me wrong love her to death love you sis if you're listening uh but i i understand that that very well yeah absolutely and and so so sarah stepped up when she saw this going on and she called abraham to send hagar and ishmael away basically look this is my house you're my husband somebody's got to go and it's going to be them and so so that isaac wouldn't have to put up with that and so you can imagine the conflict Abraham said at this point. These are both of these are his kids. Both of them, God has given a promise about at this point that they're going to be great nations, that he's going to bless them. And so there's there's gotta be a lot of conflict going on in, in Abraham's mind of, but I want to raise them both, right? Like these are I want to raise them in the way to go. I want to raise them to follow God. And so thankfully God stepped in a few verses down and he comforted Abraham and he basically told him, look, there is, I'm, I'm going to take care of Ishmael, but Sarah's right. You can't have both. Um, and so uh, he sends Hagar and Ishmael away with God promising him, I'm going to protect them. I'm going to make Ishmael a great nation. He's going to be fine. They are going to be fine. But your covenant is going to be through Isaac. And Genesis 21, 12 and 13 it says, but God said to Abraham, don't be distressed about the boy and about your slave. Whatever Sarah says to you, listen to her because your offspring will be traced through Isaac. And I will also make a nation of the slave son because he is your offspring. And so, you know, God comes in, tells him, look, they're going to be fine. Um, I, but Isaac is the Isaac is the child of the promise. And we actually see in the Bible this come to fruition in Genesis 25. It notes that Ishmael had 12 sons that became 12 princes in kind of the Arabian Peninsula area. And so that was the start of his great nation was through the, was through his 12 sons, not unlike what we're going to see down a couple of generations from now with Jacob and his 12 sons. So now we're going to fast forward several years. And this is one of the most fascinating, heart wrenching. um, I don't even know how to describe it It, as, as a guy I'm married, but we don't have any kids yet. I can't even imagine this. So I just want to throw that out there that as difficult as it is to comprehend for me, imagining this without having any kids, I can't imagine as a parent what it would be like to to go through this. Well, I can tell you, I've read this part coming up multiple times and really just trying to piece it together and, and just saying, it just, just, I was actually thinking about this today, knowing what we were going to be recording and, and thinking about how could he possibly know that this command was from God and then have so much faith to carry it out. And you'll see what we mean if you don't know where we're going with this, but uh, this is just absolutely crazy. It, it really is. So, so in Genesis 22, verse 2, God tells Abraham, he says, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So if, if you stop and think about what's going on here, Abraham is 75 years old. Sarah, Sarai at that time was 65. They're promised, hey, I'm going to make you into a great nation if you'll follow me. They waited 25 years to have this child of the promise, had some bumps in the road like we talked about last week, finally have their promised kid. And then when he's a teenager, God says, oh, by the way, now you need to sacrifice him. Like take him to the altar and, and kill him. I mean, just, you know, laying it out there as as bluntly as it is. Um, 
I cannot even imagine what must have been going through Abraham's head. I mean, how, how this doesn't make any sense. It, it doesn't, you, I can't, I can't imagine what he must have been thinking. But his response to this was where, where, where I struggle so much, you know, just like God telling him, I want you to go get up and go take your family and go. And I'll tell you where, where you're going when you get there. He, he gets up and he takes his kid to the mountain. What? Yeah. And- yeah. So, so the very next verse, it says, so Abraham got up early in the morning, settled his donkey and took with him two of his young men and his son, Isaac. He split wood for the burnt offering and set out to go to the place God told him about. So what that verse tells us is right after God tells him, he got up and he went and he split wood. He had every intention of carrying this out. Does, that that doesn't make sense. I don't understand. I really don't. Even to the point, you've got to imagine Isaac, you know, and it's going to tell us here in a little bit, you know, that then I think we we might skip ahead a couple of verses, but in the, in there it says, you know, Isaac says, well, where's the sacrifice? Where's the ram? Yeah. And and Isaac's confused, and and Abraham says, oh, God's going to provide one for me for us. Mm-hmm. What you know? So they're questioning this. And there, there, there is no, he doesn't even say, God's got a plan. I have to carry it out. He does. He says, oh, God will provide it. Yeah. Almost as though, I don't know. I don't know. It's almost as though in that statement of, you know, God will provide one for us that maybe he knew God wasn't actually going to make him, but, but we can't, I don't think we could know that for sure. So it's interesting the the guy that wrote Hebrews and we don't know exactly who wrote Hebrews, but in Hebrews 11 verse eight, it says, or sorry, let me skip down. It's actually in verse in verse 17. It says by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, he received the promises and yet the, he was offering his one and only son, the one to whom it had been said, your offspring would be traced through Isaac. He considered God to be able even to raise someone from the dead. Therefore, he received him back, figuratively speaking. And so we see this we see this cool moment where, where like you said, Abraham's comforting Isaac and saying, God's going to provide. But the writer of Hebrews, when he wrote that, was inspired to write that Abraham believed, okay, even if God doesn't, he's going to make a way to make this happen. Like, somehow, my kid's coming out of this thing. I don't know how, but somehow my kid is. I'm just going to move forward in faith. Well, and having uh, I that... Mean, and having that 13 years of silence from God after he mm-hmm. took matters into his own hands and slept with Hagar and had a, had a kid, um, well, out of wedlock, um, mm-hmm. you know, he already had a wife, so he is now basically sleeping around. Now he's got another kid. He's doing things completely the wrong way. Of course, he's got his wife's permission, but that doesn't matter. Still doing things not the way God intended. And then God goes silent. After that 13 years, you know, he might be saying, you know what? God tells me to do something. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to wait. I'm going to listen. You know, he got me this far. I made a mistake. Next time, I'm I'm all in. And then God says, take your son up to the mountain. And he says, oh, crap. (laughs) Or no, he didn't. He said, okay, let's go. Yeah, that's the crazy thing is that he, you know, from what's recorded, he didn't even hesitate. He, the next morning, he got up and went. And and to the point, like you said, we can see in, this, in his interaction with Isaac that he's got faith all the way through that somehow this is going to work itself out. And so they get all the way up the mountain. 
and goes all the way through. He's carrying it out all the way to the point of tying up Isaac, laying him down on the altar with on top of the wood. And he has the knife over his kid, um, which I, I, I can't even imagine um, what what must have been going through his head. But then an angel called out in Genesis twenty two twelve. the angel said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now, I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your only son from me. So we see God step in here. And this was a huge test of faith. That, that's what it boiled down to is God saying, how far away are you willing to go? And obviously, Abraham passed the test here. But it, it's unbelievable how, how all of this transpired and that all of this happened, that Abraham had that level of faith. I'll be honest, whenever I have kids, if God called me to do that, I don't know that I don't know that it would happen. In fact, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't. Yeah. I would, I would have a really tough time working through like, is this real? What, what do you, what, what's, what's really going on here? But he did. And the angel steps in, stops him. And like you mentioned earlier, there was a, God did provide a sacrifice in the thicket nearby. There was a ram that was caught by the horns. And so Abraham took it, sacrificed it on the altar. And then God reaffirmed there his promise to him that he would be a great nation through Isaac um, because of the faith that he had in God. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, going back to what you said about you're, you're pretty sure you wouldn't be able to do it. I, I can look at this as a parent on an even um, more tangible level, I guess, that we are managers of everything that God gives us, right? We're, we're to be good stewards of what he gives us, gives us. And that includes our families. That includes our children, right? They're not ours or his. Even to have the faith that if something were to happen to our kids, that God still has a plan in that is hard. So to think about the faith that Abraham had to cause his son harm on his own is, I, I just, I just can't understand it. Yeah. So yeah, it's hard enough just letting them cross the street and right. giving it to God. <laughs> right. Or, or seeing them do things that you're like, Oh, I wish you wouldn't make that decision. Like, yeah. you know, to not make that decision that that's not going to be good for you. And you did it anyway. Um, and they have I to mean, learn on I their sh- own and we have to trust God. <laughs> yeah. Like I struggle with that, with the kids I work with on Wednesday nights when I see them do stupid stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, th- those aren't my kids, you know, love them to death. I enjoy being with them and all that stuff, care about them. But you know, those aren't my kids. Right. Um, and I, and I struggle with that. And, and so to think, you know, that being your own kid, and like you said, and you being the one to harm them, to being called to harm them, um, it's just unthinkable. But that it tells you two things. One is that, uh, I guess to put it kind of bluntly, that God's not afraid to test us. Yeah. Um, and, and, and testing is not a bad thing. That's how we grow. But like you said, it, it, it is the ultimate test of, okay, who, who does this kid belong to? Let's, let's make sure we got this straight, um, that, that this is God's kid. And so if God says, this is what needs to happen, this is what needs to happen, which is true of many things. And I, I, won't, I promise I won't dive into a, a talk here on giving and stuff, but, that, but that's where that mindset comes mm-hmm. from when it comes to everything, our time, our resources, all that stuff, is that it's all God's anyway. So let's use it for what he intended and what he's calling us to. So yeah. 
that aside. Well, I'll add to that. Actually, it's it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard when you're in the world that we live in, and how we are tied to everything. It's ours. It's mine. It's you know I worked hard for this. It's it is easy to get caught up in in God didn't do this. I did. Um, you know God didn't make those kids. I did. Right. But no, God provides everything, whether you know Him or not. Life's just easier when you know him and you can acknowledge that. Again, I'm not, I'm going to struggle when God says, let your kids start driving at 16. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to struggle uh, at all of these different things, that, that all of these different uh, circumstances that we're put in. But you know what? As a kid, I was put into those circumstances and worse, and I came out better for it. And I attribute that to God watching out for me and bringing me to where I am today had nothing to do with what I did because if it were left up to me, I would be dead right now. Well, and it goes back to that Romans eight twenty eight promise that we, that we've talked about many times of God works everything together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so we know that. Um, so you tie that in with a verse out of Proverbs that says, train them up in the way they should go and they won't stray from it. And, and you have a beautiful promise there that if they will stick with God, if, if you train them up, and they will stay with God, then he's going to work everything they go through, good, bad, ugly, everything for their good. Even the difficult stuff like this, even the toughest tests like this, that he's going to work it all together. Hard to, hard to see that in the moment, but, um, but, but it's, but it's a real thing. It's, it's, it's a comforting promise when you see the tough stuff going on. Yeah, that is for sure. It's even hard looking back on it sometimes, but if you pay attention and you look back and you can say, oh yeah, I can see what God was doing there. So we got Abraham up on this mountain about to put a knife in his son. Angel says, stop. You're not going to do it. God provides a ram and reaffirmed his promise to Abraham that he was going to make a great nation. So with all of that going on in Abraham's world, what's going on in the rest of the world? So something interesting in this time frame, we talked a little bit about, uh, Abraham's time frame being the start of a lot of different cultures that, you know, we see uh, some references to Egypt and Pharaoh and the governments that are set up and whatnot. Um, from a world religion perspective, this is a very important moment when Hagar and Ishmael are sent out of Abraham's household because they go and settle in the Arabian Peninsula. And I mentioned earlier that Ishmael has 12 kids that are 12 princes uh, of the Ishmaelites, um, not unlike how couple of generations from now, Jacob has 12 kids that are 12 tribes of Israel. But Ishmael has these 12 kids, the 12 princes. This is the start of, of kind of the, the countries and the culture of the Arabian Peninsula, of the Middle East. So this is where a lot of that comes from. Also, from a world religion perspective, the uh, Muslims, uh, the religion of Islam, trace their heritage, their foundation back to Abraham through Ishmael. This is where we see that come to fruition. This is where we see that start is right here. So I don't know a whole lot about Islam, but it's my understanding that their version of Jesus, I guess, is Muhammad, correct? And are you are you yes. aware? Okay. So just like we trace Israel's lineage back to Abraham, did it actually so Christianity didn't start for us with Abraham. It started with Jesus. So are you just saying that the religion overall traces its lineage back 
and then it really started with Muhammad for them. Right. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. For sure. So the, um, I guess the uh, their validation for the religion and and their connection to Allah and all that goes back to Abraham, um, but it's through Ishmael's line rather than through through Isaac. Interesting. And so I'm assuming I don't know a whole lot, but I'm assuming Muhammad can be traced back to Ishmael and the twelve princes. Um, somewhere on that somewhere along those lines. I haven't actually looked into that, but that's that would be my that would be my guess based on the um based on the whole picture there. Yeah, it's interesting how multiple religions can come from the same things. They just get twisted over time. And the difference being that we know Jesus came back from the dead. That's why we can hold to that truth that that Jesus is God. Yeah, and and we you know, we have so much evidence in the Old Testament and the New Testament that Jesus is who he said he is. And so, yeah, so there, there, there are reasons why people follow Islam, um, of which I should know more about, but I don't. Maybe that's a good, good, a good thing to study up on, to have the, the apologetics side of that conversation. But, 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 it, but it's interesting that, that there are so many that dive into that and, and, look back to Abraham and knowing, like you said, they come from the same point. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like when we talked about the tower of Babel, how we all can trace back to Noah's Ark and Noah's sons, um, you know, and, and religions, it, at least with these two, it's the same way. Um, you even look at Judaism and Christianity. I mean, they even come down the line the same. The difference is what do you do with Jesus? Basically, mm-hmm. do you believe he is who he said he is? So, um, yeah, three three of the major world religions all come back to this point. Wow. Well, speaking of Jesus, you like that segue there? How does this particular story point directly to Jesus? Like we're we're trying to to show how everything points to Jesus. The biggest thing here is the uh, I guess analogy uh, between Abraham almost sacrificing Isaac, um, and God giving up his son for us. So, um, yeah, Isaac was his only son, his one and only son at the time. So that doesn't discount Ishmael, but, um, but he really wasn't on the scene at this point. He had been sent out of Abraham's house. So his Isaac was truly his one and only son, and he was called to sacrifice him. Well, God, when, when he set the salvation plan for us into place, he gave up his one and only son, Jesus. He, he sent his son to die for us. And so we see this parallel that's really cool between these fathers giving up their kids for, I guess, for the, uh, yeah, I, I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, God definitely did it for us out of his love for us. Um, mm-hmm. Abraham did it out of faith to God um, that God would provide anyway. Um, but it's a really interesting parallel there. Also, similarly, Abraham, by faith and obedience, was willing to give up um, Isaac. He was willing to give up the promise. He was willing to give up everything out of his faith to God, just like Jesus. Um, he was willing to lay it all down, willing to give up his life out of obedience to God. That's what it was all about for them, was a, they knew what they were supposed to do. They knew what they were here to do. And, and so they moved forward with it in faith. And through that act of faith, the covenant with God was once again confirmed with Abraham. And ultimately, we can follow Abraham's line all the way down through the nation of Israel, through the line of Judah to David, the kings of Israel, and eventually we come to Jesus in the New Testament. And so 
this covenant where if you go back to where we started a couple episodes ago, the covenant that was established that you will be a blessing to all nations. Jesus is that blessing and that covenant's reaffirmed here. Amen. Well, Matt, I think that kind of covers it for Abraham, huh? We, we kind of went through his main points um, mm-hmm. in his story, um, but we're not done with that and we won't be for quite a while because his lineage continues on and on and on. But next week, we're going to jump into the story of Isaac and Rebecca. So if y'all want to follow along, uh, that's in, where is that, Matt? Yeah, that's that's in Genesis 24. So it's the very next chapter after what we uh, what we talked about today. Okay. And that will get you caught up to where we're at. And, uh, you know, maybe you can fact check us. Maybe, uh, maybe you'll see something in there we missed. Who knows? But I think that's going to do it for us today. This was an interesting story. This was a scary story of danger and murder and all kinds of things that thankfully didn't happen. So Matt, why don't you sign us off here today? As always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, shoot us a note at info at simplifyjesus.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Pinterest. We've got, uh, if if it's social media, we're probably there. You can find us at Simplify Jesus, all those places. Shoot us a note, uh, comment, uh, let us know what you think about everything. That being said, we'll see you guys again next week. Y'all have a great week, everybody.